Hello and welcome to another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. We Ain't Got No History's one and only podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host and wonderkind in everything championship, Ram. Hi, Ram. How are you doing? How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> and as you can already hear, uh, we have another ret- returnee uh, to the show. Of course, uh, everyone listening from where in the history will know him as he has been more and more prominent in, in writing articles covering Chelsea uh, over the last year, I, I feel. And that's uh, Phil, Felipe Miranda, formerly known as Truly. Truly? Truly. Truly, truly yes. And knows everything about Brazilian players. We're going to hear about that today. So make sure to stay tuned in if you want to know everything about the Brazilian talents that Chelsea have been linked to. Um, welcome to the show. Back again. Uh, pleased to be back. As as they always say at Arsenal Fan TV, back again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess we're going to get straight into this. You know, um, we had a great game. Chelsea played against. <clears throat> Sorry, Chelsea played against Burnley. Um, Christian Pulisic injured beforehand. Few weeks was a bit worrying. And um, normally I start, what were your first thoughts after, uh, or at full time or after the final whistle? But I really would be interested in both of your opinions on when you read the lineup. Because when I read that lineup, I was a bit surprised, I must say. What, what did you guys think? Uh, let's start with our guest, as we tend to do, uh, Phil. Uh, yep. Barkley in Christensen in um Reese James in um, I mean yes yeah yeah well what do you think so I I think like uh it was a risk worth taking in, in the LS I mean when and every time I see lineups and everything else that Frank Lampard does I try to get in his mind so to speak so I, I think, like, what is he looking at to make these decisions? And, you know, Burnley, if I recall correctly, were on a, a very bad on very bad form. The last win was, like, in the EA, in the FA Cup against Peterborough, if I recall correctly. They are in yeah. League 2 or League 1, whatever. I'm not, I'm not one of... I'm not, I'm not ram to care about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in any case, uh, Burnley were on a, a very bad, on very bad form. And uh, it was worth taking the risk, and you know the the, the risk paid off. Uh, it was very simple. Uh, you know, Barkley for Kovacic, at least from what we heard, uh, it was because Kovacic got injured. Kanté was already injured before. Hudson uh, uh, also, you know, uh, Pulisic wasn't available. He was also injured, so you need to get Hudson uh, on the pitch. Uh, whereas. Aspilicueta and Rhys James. I mean, I've been saying that since before the, se- the season began, uh, that uh, I think Aspilicueta is our best left back and he, over Emerson and over uh, Marcos Alonso. So, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a very solid left back. He's not the best guy moving forward, although he got an assist uh, last game. Uh, but he's very solid defensively, and that's what we need when you have a defense that is 
is not as strong as it was last year. And Rhys James is just, you know, a tank. You know what? Mm. You, what you, I think he's, he's the, bre- the best crosser from the wings we've had in the last, I don't know, five years or six. Oh, it's Ivanovic amazing. was better, eh? Uh, I mean, <laughs> at the uh, uh, Ivanovic get, gets a bad rap, but you know, at the be, at the end of his career, he was, of course, you know, terrible. Bad. Unfortunately, he was terrible. But uh, when he began, you know, he was also a tank. He was also, you know, uh, he was not as good as James as a crosser, but you, he was a massive, a massive uh, player as well. I, I no, sorry, I didn't want to say he was a bad defender. I thought Ivanovic was our best right back of the last decade. What oh, I yeah. meant, what I meant was um, his crossing because I I thought Brenzo, oh, yeah. which was a brilliant player for Chelsea, um, definitely a candidate for the team of the decade. But his mm-hmm. crossing was abysmal. Oh yes, <laughs> and even uh, when uh, he was really good, I often thought, oh my god, why? You know, but yeah, I mean, just he, the, the, he was mostly effective when he he put on the the, the low crosses, you know. Uh, when he, when he tried to go uh, go in the air as James often does, and James more often than not finds a player a blue player in the box, uh, Ivanovic couldn't couldn't do that as regularly as as uh, as uh, as, uh, as James does. Uh, and but you know James, I think uh, he's he's young and he's uh, he's a non commodity so to speak. But as time progresses, as it gets, you know, more experience and stuff, I think he will be. I, I mean, he. I, I hope he will be our our, uh, our right back for for ages to come. Mm. And I think that game against Burnley, as you said, it definitely showed that. I mean, he was, uh, despite I think it says as Piliqueta was uh, named man of the match, and he was also good in that game, but. Reese James, I mean, we were completely overloading that right side, and the interplay between him and Hudson Odoi was fantastic. And yeah. especially you, Ram, I know as someone who has been an advocate for our academy for years, more than most, and that's something that one has to hold in high regard. You will have been ecstatic. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was, we spoke about how he was returning to form last time, didn't we? Mm, yes, we um, picked up on small things here and there, signs from the Arsenal game. Um, yeah, just bits and pieces that told you that maybe he was on the upturn. And I think that this game really went some way in positively reinforcing that yet again because he was really linking up well with Reese James on the right side. He was looked full of confidence. I think the goal did. Goal did a world of good to him. Mm. After the after the goal, I mean, before the goal, he was he was looking good. He was linking up well with Reese James, looking generally positive. But after the goal, he was absolutely flying, or at least I felt that way because yeah. he had such a spring and a step. He was doing like five step overs before uh, he was taking on a defender, and it just reminded me of the Hudson and Doy of old, and that was very good to see. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was very, very happy when I saw that. I mean, I can't imagine how anyone wouldn't be happy when they saw that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, Burnley fans weren't very happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, well, everyone always shall see leaning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that perspective, that you couldn't have expected more from that game. I mean, sure, one could have said, hey, if Reese James would have been able to take that one shot or score a goal, that might have been the cherry on top. But 
who cares? You know, 3-0, great result. Uh, the interplay, the, the link-up play, which was addressed also by Hudson Adai in the uh, aftermath of the game, uh, is fantastic. And it gives one hope that despite Christian Pulisic being um, injured and we will get into transfer still today, us not really seeming to be in the market, although we're linked to about half of Europe, uh, doesn't seem as if we are buying someone, or maybe we will be, maybe not, you never know. But that Hudson Doyle is slowly regaining his form, that's integral to Chelsea at this point in the season. Um, over the next few games, Chelsea can open up, uh, well, next few games after Saturday, really. We play against Newcastle, it's an absolute must win. And um, if they can link up again like that, then we might be able to uh, extend the gap before we get into a very, very tough run of games. And, um, you know, Reese James just seems as if it doesn't matter if it was Burnley, even though, as you mentioned, Phil, they haven't been good recently. <laughs> he seems as if it doesn't matter who he'll play against, he'll always be his imposing self. And I thought his crossing, it just gives Chelsea a completely different dimension. I mean... You know, we, we talked about the lineup, and uh, I would still like to hear your thoughts on that, Ram. But to add to that, uh, I mean, Tammy Abraham, next guy on the list. Very lucky with the goal, we have to say. I still don't know what the hell happened with Pope there, but who cares, you know? <laughs> well, he scored. Yeah. But, but yeah. That, that, that was, that was uh, one more to the tally. Yep. Yes, it was. Exactly. Um I like the Lampard said after the match that Tommy should have had probably three goals and he hopes that he feels bad about that, regardless of the goal that he has scored, for which obviously he deserves credit. It wasn't the best bit of goalkeeping from Nick Pope, was it? He seemed he seemed a bit befuddled by the spin of the ball or something anyway, because it seemed to be bundled in, in a slightly unorthodox manner. Yeah. But we, we'll take it. Anyway, it comes... We'll take it. Uh, again, the encouraging thing is that he could have easily had two or three goals. It's it's not... At this point, you shouldn't be looking at the fact that he could have had those goals. Rather, you should be looking at the fact that he was there in those positions to finish them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And or maybe on another day, those go in. Eventually, they will keep going in. And he's only going to improve. He's 22 years old. So... I'm not. I'm not too worried about that. I mean, uh, it's it, the so just just to put it in perspective. Not only is he 22 years old. This is his first season as a Chelsea player. He's already, you know, proving himself to be a starter. He's already had. Mm-hmm. He already has. It's 13 or 14 Premier League goals. It's that is it's correct. 14. Yes. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's been just amazing. You know. Uh. Uh. I. I think. Uh. There, there will be there will be times where he won't have a good game. There will be times where he will be lucky uh, in finding a goal. But we need this luck, you know. And we need a lucky moments, player. Yeah, you, you need a... You should hearken back to the time when he showed so much composure to finish that goal against Arsenal or against Wolves. Oh yes, yeah. yes, so, of course, yes, yes. So you so, know, you yeah. you take the, the good, the, you take the good moments, and you see a player that is you know developing himself to be a very, at least a very good player. You know, for the next few years, a very good player for Chelsea. 
a player that comes from the, the academy as well. And, uh, you know, you, you also look at other strikers who were just as talented, who also went on, you know, lucky stretches, so to speak, uh, uh, that, you know, you, you'd see the guy playing badly the entire game and then all of a sudden he gets uh, a one header or one shot and he scores. If, if, if Tammy becomes this kind of player who, you know, gets these kind of chances and, you know, buries them the, the, behind the, the goalkeeper, I'm not complaining. It's the opposite, and not on, not not only that. You need to to also I'll, I'll always highlight how Abraham uh, participates in our play. He's vital. He's always looking for the ball. He he doesn't he doesn't uh, recoil from you know uh, uh, moving to moving back. You know, not not playing around the the bots all the time or, or playing centrally. He's not a a, a prototypical. Uh, uh, center forward, so to speak. Uh, he's very mobile. He's always looking for the ball. He's always looking to uh, get a chances for his, his, uh, his, uh, his teammates as well. You know, uh, he's a very good player. And, uh, I, I'm not complaining about Tammy. I, I, I can't stand uh, uh, Tammy Abraham's Slender anymore. <laughs> Tammy Abraham's what? He's very Slander. good. No, it's Slender uh, against, 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 uh, against uh, Tammy. Oh, yeah. right. slander! Oh, right. Yes, slander. sorry. Yes, it's slander mm, yeah. against against him. Yeah, no, because I... you see a lot of that after these games, and you oh, think God. like, well, please, please, just stop. annoying at this point, isn't <laughs> just it? Just stop. He's not a guru yet. He's not, you know, uh, yet. That's the that's the thing. You know, he's young. He's he's going to improve. He's already doing, a, mm. you know, a hell of a job uh, as a first time uh, Chelsea player, a first time uh, Chelsea first team player. And uh, he's only going going to get better, I hope. Yeah, but Phil, not not to go into detail here because it's not something that we should even talk about because it just encourages those loons. But um, you know that is actually not even that bad. If you think Tammy Abraham, the abuse against him is bad, then you should not put Mason Mount on on a match day Ooh. into Twitter. That's just that's just horrible. I read a few things again today. It's just. I, I can't even start. And the, the worst thing is that what I what the don't... hell's wrong with people. But you know, I said it's, there's no real point talking about it because it just uh, encourages them. So uh, I think we should just continue with um, with the game. I thought, what what did you guys think about defense? Because defense is something that has been a problem for Chelsea in recent <laughs> weeks and months. Yeah, but um, we had a clean sheet, the first one in I think quite a few weeks now, uh, in the Premier League at least. And um, Andreas Christensen played, and I thought he did a quite good job. I mean, Burnley wasn't as physical as they usually were. And um, Chris Wood taking that hit to the face or whatever it was. Um, someone who has been in that situation, of course, not in professional football, but having to play while your nose is blocked because your nose is bleeding, it's terrible. You get exasperated. Yeah. It's, it's, you cannot concentrate properly and that will have taken uh, an effect on him without a doubt however nevertheless Christensen did very well um, Hendricks was pretty ineffective uh, but he when danger did come I thought he did well he also uh, helped Reese James quite well in um, keeping who's his name in um, uh, McNeil I think he's called him. yeah yeah, yeah. Keeping him quiet. So I thought that that was a very successful game for Christensen where it will have given quite a few Chelsea fans a bit to think about. Yeah. Or what, what do you guys think? 
Uh, if you allow me to speak first, I you know I, I I agree with you on the on these you know during during play on 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 when the when the ball is rolling and stuff like that. Our defense, I think, they've done a very good job in recent times. You know, by stopping play and, and stuff like that. Uh, but when it comes to you know set pieces, it's always a heart attack. Mm. It's always you know I mean of course that's not only down to defense. I I I've, I have my suspicions that you know maybe it's down to coaching. We we've had we've spoken before about uh, getting a, a set piece co- a set pieces coach like uh, Liverpool has because they have because they also have had problems with set pieces when uh, Klopp took over. Uh, but it may also be down to communication. You know, Isabalag is not a very, very uh, experienced uh, goalkeeper. Maybe he's doing something wrong. In, in not just him, of course, uh, because you know you have other play- players setting up defensive set pieces. But it's always worrying because uh, Burnley could have could have uh, scored uh, uh, early. They only didn't because of VAR. And then they got more chances from from uh, not from just set pieces, but from crosses if from across. In any case, uh, it's not the the most solid defense yet. Christensen, as you as you said, did a very for very solid job, but I think we will end up getting uh, uh, an upgrade on on the position on Christensen himself uh, because I still. I mean, after that that run of games that he had against the, those those uh, top teams that uh, at the for I think it was during in 2018 uh, where you know he was terrible against Barcelona and stuff. I think he never recovered from that. Uh, you know, it was the time when the, the issues that he had were you know the the, 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 the were glaring. You know, they, they were uh, they were impossible to overlook. And since then, he hasn't been uh, as solid, and at least in my view. Uh, maybe it's just because of my perception of him. Maybe it's because he hasn't been as good. Uh, but we need an upgrade if you if you are to you know battle against the top sides. We can beat Tottenham, we can beat Arsenal, but if we are to fight against uh, Liverpool and Manchester City for the the you know for top places in the the Premier League. Uh, we have to get upgrades for for the position. I think it's inevitable. Now, I'd really like to hear what you say about that, Ram, because I know that you're a firm believer in you for me. We all do, and that's a good thing. Uh, we've got, of course, several other players like Mark Goey coming through. What 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 do you say to Phil's assertion there? Mark Goey, very very exciting news for him, by the way. Very it's happy. It's all up to on. Ram. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I just had to say that. that. Say thanks to Ram. He did that. <laughs> no, it was. I, I guess Gohi was always a dead ringer to go to Swansea because Low. It, it, it's it's their their manager was the one who won the under seventeen World Cup with Gohi in the squad, wasn't he? That's also mm. probably why Ryan Brewster ended up going there. But anyway, yeah, no, good 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 loan deal for Marco. He he, it's um should should put him in good stead for whatever comes ahead. But back to, going back to Christensen. Uh, I, I kind of gave my opinion on that last week, didn't I? But, I mean, I, I thought that I was fairly skeptical on how much more he might develop now or how many more opportunities he's going to be afforded with the likes of Tomori on the up and Rudiger being somewhat established. 
and Zuma also being in the mix and generally being a pretty strong contender. But actually, I wanted to pose the question again to Felipe because in in light of what Lampard said about Christensen in the press conference, he quite yes. emphatically denied that he'd be going anywhere anytime soon. And he also said that he really believed in the player and he wanted to make him the player he believes he can be. So, I mean, don't you think anything has changed since that? And uh, I don't know if it was just a coincidence that Christensen mm. went on to start the next game and he played quite well. I think I think you'd agree to that. I thought he yeah. dealt with the threat of, dealt with the general physical threat of not only Chris Wood, but the, the what's his face? I was going to say Burn, Burn, Burnley, <laughs> the Burnley team at large. I'm sorry, I've just been thinking about Burnley. No, no, Gerhard Schuber so much recently. Uh, <laughs> it just fits uh, to the Burnley team, you know, what's his face? You know, that's that's why. Yes. Sorry. No, uh, yeah, no. No, I, I thought he I thought he dealt really well um, with all the yeah. threats that were posed to him. He was very confident. He was uh, maybe even uncharacteristically positive in possession. You know, generally he's been quite safe in his passing, but he was attempting these really neat switches of play that actually came off and looked really good. Mm. Yeah. And I feel as if that aspect of his game has just been growing more positive every time we see him. And I just feel as if there's some sort of continuous development that is going on behind the scenes with Christensen. Yeah. And it might take a little longer with him to see these tangible improvements, but we, we may be seeing them. And in light of what Lampard said, uh, yeah, just coming back to you, Felipe, don't you think something has changed? Do you think that Christensen has maybe been handed a fresh lease of life? That maybe maybe he had it all along. Maybe we've just been aware of it. Being made aware of it because of what Lampard said, but yeah, what do you, what do you think of that situation after recent events? I mean, maybe he, I mean maybe uh, he's the one. I mean, uh, Christensen is still young. You know, he's only twenty-three. Uh, you can't say he he's a finished product at this point of his career because you know the, the, if you go by these uh, those the average statistics, uh, center backs only reach that peak when they're thirty. So he has like seven years to develop still. Uh, the issue I have with Christensen, it, it still comes from, you know, maybe, as I said, uh, it comes from past perception that, you know, he's, he isn't as solid to be trusted as a Chelsea player against top teams. But against a team such as Burnley, coming from very, very bad form with two, two strikers who are largely ineffective and stuff like that, not just... Not just the strikers, of course. There, there was also the threat of McNeil, as Jimmy mentioned uh, before, uh, that he had had to be had to to deal with. Uh, but still, I I wouldn't trust Christensen at this point to deal against you know the Liverpool trio or something like that. If we uh, if he if we had this game today, I'd rather see Tomori back uh, uh, in the lineup again with Rudiger next to him than Christensen because. I, I've seen more from Tomori this season dealing with players like these guys than I've seen with Christensen, you know, in, in, the, in, his, in the past. With, with the short experience, with short time, we had to, to see him as a Chelsea player. That's where most of my, uh, most of my worries uh, come from. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say, as I said before, that he's a finished product. It's, it's the exact opposite, but... 
I do I do worry, you know, if if we that, that, just to, to, to put it in perspective, I uh, I don't think we should, you know, refrain from uh, making upgrades if they are available just because you have a youth player that will in seven years become as good as, as this upgrade, you know. Uh, that's not how things go. If we are, if we have to fight for titles and stuff like that, we have to keep on progressing and developing a, a stronger squad. Uh, Christensen can be a very good part player, and he, he has been a part player uh, this season. But I wouldn't trust him at this moment for to to be you know a, a regular starter for for Lampard. I mean, maybe Lampard thinks otherwise. Maybe Lampard, maybe Christensen will prove otherwise for for me and for many other people who doubt his 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 abilities. But we need to see. Uh, I think uh, that that's the that's the thing. You know, uh, it's the it's better options that we have in the squad, and uh, fear that we will overlook better players because of someone like Christensen. I don't think that's a very good. Uh, perspective and so I, re I prefer we continue to improve him but also improve this squad now oh, that sounds fair I mean anyone who has been following Chelsea this season will know or should know let's say like that without trying to sound too presumptuous um, that there are areas that are need, still in need of improvement despite Lampard doing very well yeah. uh, for what he's been given basically um but still you know it's it's um a window where we have to take action if you ask me because if we want to wait for our prime targets until the summer that's fine um but what i feel especially if pedro and although you know pedro he did say he will be part of the squad so i don't know about that that might just be talk but um we we still need some quality depth uh at, yeah at, in this, like one player, at least in this um, transfer window, where one can say, okay, he will improve a certain area. And uh, for me, it's got to be left back because I know Cesar Piliqueta might be our best left back at the moment. Although I was raving about Emerson at the start of the season, and I love Emerson as a player, but he's just not been in form. Mm -hmm. um, but that's one area that I do believe we just so desperately need improvement in. And um, as such, you know, if we would be able to get a left back, then I feel we really do need to. Uh, and that would be a good area to improve in, because if we want to go for the likes of Jaden Sancho and, um, well, I'm not too uh, fond of him, but, you know, if we do want to go for Timo Werner, Werner, then fine. Then we'll go in the summer. But, you know not doing anything I'm not going to be too quick to call why did we get this transfer ban reduced then because it's I mean it's illogical why we did because we felt as if we'd been unjustly handled and of course we're going to be appealing I don't know what people expect on Twitter but then again it's Twitter <laughs> uh, but you know it's, 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 it's it'd be a bit frustrating as we didn't really buy in the summer I mean not going to count Kovacic there though he's been great don't get me wrong um, but, you know, people want to see a signing. And I think at this moment in time where we are um, at a point where there are games where, which are creeping into our season where you say, you know, it's, it's difficult. Um, 
to keep up the performance levels, especially due to injuries. Yeah. Then then uh, signing would be a good way to counter that, if not like a few seasons ago, where we were buying. Well, I hate to say it, but mediocre players. So I get why people are worried there. But and you know, I know Ram thinks we shouldn't need to buy anyone, and that's that's perfectly valid. But um, I just think it would be good to bring someone in, especially at left back. I was mostly in favour of a winger at the start, and I still am very much in favour of us bringing in a winner in this window, but if we can't get Jane Sancho here, you know, any other targets aren't really acquirable or desirable, then fine, get a bloody left back, sorry, pardon my French, because I, I just don't, <laughs> I just really, really feel we need an, an improvement there, but before we get more into this, we'll just have a quick short break. And welcome back to We In Gardner Podcast. As Jimmy was alluding to before the break, I think I, I have never said that we shouldn't sign anyone. I just <laughs> my my ideology is you should sign ideology. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I just I'm just kidding. No, continue. Yeah, just that you should sign a player if. It's right. Let, let's say I subscribe to that school of thought, if that's better, Felipe. Yes. Um, that's, that's, that's the Liverpool model, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the model that I yearn to see Chelsea follow someday. And I think that there seems to be a general understanding of the club that they, I mean, they know that See, they're, they're not they're not stupid people, are they? So they know what they've done over the last four years, maybe, in terms of transfers, right from whenever we had that horror window of Alvaro Morata, Kakayoko, Pink Potter, and Zapacosta all coming in the same summer. They, they know what they've done. They know the position in which it has led the squad to devolve into. And this, by way of Frank Lampard's words in these press conferences, there seems to be an understanding that he only wants to do a deal for a player if he feels that the player is absolutely necessary and a good fit and, you know, right for the team. Yeah. Just like just like Liverpool do. I mean, it's, it's a different matter that they have just won the Champions League and they have a very, very uh, established front line, all, all of that stuff. But when, when money is to be spent, it should be spent wisely. So if, if if it so happens that good deal for a left back is not viable in January, I think we'll survive. I think Frank Lampard knows that Marcus Alonso obviously has the limitations, as does, as does Emerson. That's obviously why Aspilicueta is preferred to them uh, as a left back than two natural, I mean, quote-unquote natural left backs. Mm. So it's safe to say that people, people at the club, people who matter, are aware of the deficiencies in our squad where we need to strengthen. But it also seems as if they're just waiting for the right deal to come around. And if that doesn't happen to come around in January, so be it. You wait for the summer and you invest wisely. And that's that's my general take on the transfer policy. And Fel, I'd, I'd love to hear what you think about that. Yeah, everything you just said, I agree with. <laughs> it's, I think it's... I mean, it's uh... rare. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a, kidding. <laughs> it's a rare thing, but uh, uh, we've spoken about it before. Uh, you know, uh, uh, once again, uh, Liverpool is what I think we should target. I think it's uh, very good. They 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 made the right. They 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 built a, a, the the right model for so, so, uh, teams that want to transition, and we are in some sort of transition right now. Although we are you know fighting for a top four position and teams in transition usually don't have don't are not in such a position. Uh, uh, you know I think we should wait for the the right names to to be available and then uh, and then make make approaches for for them. Uh, because I mean, if I recall correctly, I I, I mean I, I have a, a, some kind of experience because <laughs> I studied that uh, before. But if I recall correctly, usually trans winter transfers for players are usually more expensive because you know you're getting a, a player mid-season and uh, the teams are not too keen on letting their players go. So uh, in the in the floods. Of money that goes around during uh, summer transfer windows, uh, you see players moving for a bit less money than you see them in winter transfer windows. So you know, uh, your, your Jimmy was speaking about uh, left backs. Uh, the the name I recall we've been linked with uh, as a left back, the, the most prominent one was uh, Ben Chubo and uh, Leicester Leicester Leicester. Uh, we most likely not. Uh, I, I speak Leicester because that's how uh, the the Brazilian narrators uh, speak. No worries, no. <laughs> Leicester. But uh, Leicester uh, probably won't won't uh, let him go. You know, they they will do everything to keep him. Yeah. Uh, and the same goes for any other left back, any other quality left left back that we've been linked with. Uh, and uh, given uh, Chelsea's stance, that was that has been voiced by. Uh, uh, Lumper, I really think we we won't be won't be making you know if we make a transfer this this winter maybe it would be to to get a substitute for Juhu, uh, but we won't be like uh, you know uh, making big transfers as we want, and uh, it's also in my view it's also good because we've already have two windows in which we haven't spent uh, uh, I, I mean no. Sorry, we spent the the 45 million euros to get uh, Kovacic, but even then, uh, it won't be like uh, uh, it will be like a very a very good amount of money we will get to 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 to, to have in our hands to spend uh, during summer, and this amount of money will be useful not just for to pay transfer fees. But also for wages, because I think nowadays the most important thing—it's not like you know—I uh, I won't say everyone, but most top teams can afford like 100 million uh, players. But the their wage structure is what makes the difference. And since we haven't uh, we ha haven't added uh, 40, a 40 a 300k uh, player uh, as Hazard was to our to our squad when he left. Uh, we will. We should have a lot of rage room to get someone who will demand such money, and that player might be Jadon Sancho. It might be, uh, you know, uh, it might be two players uh, who will come for uh, 100, uh, 150k per week or something like that. Uh, so I'm not. I mean, I'm not worried. I, I 
this season, to be honest, I think I I I, I uh, had Chelsea at, at the, the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the season. I had Chelsea finishing in fifth place in the, the Premier League. If we finish in fourth and manage to get, you know, an FA Cup title or something like that, I mean, I would be over the moon if that happens. So I don't think we should be making a... a Massive changes to the squad, not not massive changes, but massive signings this winter if they are not available. Do what Liverpool does, and uh, you know, move 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 forward and hope for the best. Yeah, I I understand that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that it's rational. That's definitely the rational way to look at it, and of course, the financially sound one. I just feel as if uh, after such a long time it would be genuinely uh, beneficial to be able to say okay yes we got this signing in the bag um, I'm sure that the Chelsea board will be trying I know I, they have gotten quite a bad rap over the past few seasons you know mostly that's yeah. been actually <laughs> warranted but um I'm sure they're trying their best to right their wrongs, so to speak. And uh, they won't want to make any hasty decisions this window, um, especially as we're going this new direction with Lampard. Then we don't want to... I think, I'm not quite sure who said that, if it was Hazmat or um, another guest, but not to um, you know, disturb the balance of the, the squads if you bring in like two or three players uh, mm-hmm. Even if you know quantitatively it won't be bad because I do believe our squad is a bit thin uh, in certain areas. Oh, yeah. But but um, you know it's no point if it will just disturb the team cohesion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I I I, I get that. But yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, you did mention Ben Chilwell. Um, just to mention this, because people are still... I mean, I, I still would like him. He's just had a very few rough weeks since Christmas. Um, the game against Southampton and big ups to uh, Ralph Hasenhüttl. Absolutely adore him. What a job he's doing at Southampton right now. Um, but mm-hmm. the thing is that he... Uh, well, I think he lost possession like over 30 times or even more, 60 times or something like that. Oof. I, I, and it sounds impossible to do that, but I read a stat on um, on Twitter, which was from Squawk, I think, and I just thought, oh my God, how is that physically possible? And read through a few of um, Leicester City fans who are at the moment, uh, or normally they're always... Uh, quite ecstatic about their games but of course they lost not going to be as ecstatic as you'd expect them to normally be but um they 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 were really ripping into Chilwell saying yeah we'd be lucky to get 35 million for him and all that kind of stuff and it's terrible Mm. we really should sell him for the 70 um, I mean get away with murder I know people are reactionary but still it's it's you know He's only human. He's pretty young as well. I'm not quite sure how old he is. Um, I think something is like he... 23 or something. Yeah, it's 23. like he's 23. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he's still got a lot to learn, and I think he would benefit a lot uh, from a yeah, guy really like good. Lampard as well. Um, but 
you know, it's, it's as you said, it's unreasonable to assume that we'd be able to get Leicester to sell him to us in the winter transfer window, uh, even if I he mean, isn't doing too well at the moment. Just with a just with a point because uh, it's something that you said, and I, I thought about it. Uh, because it's also good to wait until summer because by then we'll have an entire season to assess whether a player is worth it or not. Because Chiro began the season strongly, you know, he was uh, he was one of it seemed like he was he was starting to become a world class uh, left back. But if that's the case, if he's playing, he's be, if he's playing uh, very badly in recent times. Then you know we should move on, move on to another player, and you know, that's that's one of the reasons I think we should uh, wait until summer. I'm looking through uh, some st stats here, and uh, yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. Uh, Chuo began the season very well, and he began you know all the transfer talk about you know Chelsea are targeting Ben, ben Chuo and stuff like that, and. Uh, but by the end of the season, maybe he will recover and he will show that he's still worth, you know, the investment. Or he will, you know, turn back to being a 45 million player, mm. which is a very solid player still, but not for a team like Chelsea. And I think it's also interesting if we're going to stay uh, at the left-back position, because I think that is one of the more prominent positions that Chelsea are looking at uh, next to centre-back and the wing ram i know you love that nathan aki to bits um he played against uh watford yesterday i think that was a game to forget for the whole team but i watched a bit of the game and he, he shouldn't a left back he shouldn't play a left back because he's not really a left back and that's the thing because people when they saw the lineup they were saying yeah we should get him because he could also play left back for us i thought he was not good he was Caught out of possession quite a few times. He was uh, slow to come back. I mean, he was just freshly from an, back from an injury. One has to be fair there. He also hasn't been left back for a very, very long time. Yeah, and I, I think, think wasn't, wasn't, he like, this. wasn't he like a more a wing back at the time? Why um, am I mistaken there? He was playing as a regular left back for Watford. Okay. Was but only for us. That then? was. That was no. That was the last time he actually played a round of games at left back, though, because at Bournemouth it was all centre back and some games in midfield as well. Okay. And I, I think that's definitely not where Nathan Ake should play. He's he's athletic and not slow by any means. He's he's quick, but he shouldn't ideally shouldn't be a left back, and that should not be a reason that. I, Quite frankly, I uh, I, I kind of chuckled when I saw some people saying that he should be an option because he can also double up as an option at left back. Mm. But the fact of the matter is he's just not very strong at that position. What's the point if you're just going to bring in someone who is not going to be better than Alonso or Emerson? So, yeah. the, signing, the signing of Nathan Ake overall still doesn't really make sense to me. So... And I'm sure it will pain you to say that, right? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but I, I really don't see the logic in it. It's We have four decent centre-backs who Nathan Ake is not massively better than. He, he's left-footed. That's probably the only thing he has over oh, yeah, all, of, yeah. all of our... Yeah, none of our existing options are left-footed. 
although someone like Tomori has spent significant time playing as a left-sided center back but that's still not the same in terms of passing angles and mm. general comfort on the left side so that's that's one way in which i could be thinking that chelsea you know something that they have in mind when they're considering signing nathan ake is that he's left footed he's comfortable with the ball he would probably be quite passionate to play for chelsea have a point to prove you know come back and be yeah a regular starter and everything some intangibles there but ultimately i don't see enough to warrant uh pushing one of our current four options out at the expense of nathan ake there yeah. was a there was there was a loose dunk rumor that i saw that was quite interesting i would have quite liked that if it were a couple of years ago cuz he's actually quite good and but the time for him to move to a top 6 side is probably gone because he's 28 years old now and to pay 50 million for a 28 year old is not ideal the fact that he plays for brighton doesn't mean he's bad uh he, one could argue that he's been quite harshly overlooked for in england he, he has been called up to england but i don't think he's made his debut and i think he's he can feel quite hard done by because i think lewis dunk is a quality defender at the premier league level he could easily but not for chelsea mate I, i'm sorry i have to intervene there i mean i get if you want to advocate for lewis uh, lewis dunk haha <laughs> for uh, ben white um i mean i what? know he's not what do you think is wrong with lewis dunk what wait okay wait before that how different do you think that would be to signing gary cahill from bolton wanderers who are not even good as not even as good as brighton are right now okay and how old was gary cahill when we bought him he was younger but he was just as good as lewis dunk would have been no uh, just just just, oh, just and a, we had a completely sorry one one thing i have to add to that we had a completely different setup at the time we had players like john terry to shepherd him to be completing him you know we don't have that at the moment we need someone of that world class mold and he was that. like 7 million pounds if i recall correctly yeah and we are having we are seeing lewis dunk being rated as that like 50 million i mean it's i mean, I, I, know, I, know, I, i know i know i know a lot about the inflation because of my profession but even then you can't justify inflation on such a lousy asset you know <laughs> it's not it's not justifiable i get what you why you'd say he's a i i i agree that he's a good defender because i watch my fair share of brighton games as well because i do have an affinity for brighton because of family yeah but um and i i i think he's a good defender i think he could also play for a leicester city or wolverhampton that kind of a tier where which is just closely behind um us at the moment but we're not trying to stay where we are we're trying to actually um improve and get to the heights of liverpool and man city and i'm sorry you're never going to see man city or liverpool well maybe they did buy dej and lovren but you know you're never going to see man city buy a lewis dunk he's 20 he's 28 uh, no. i said i said i said a couple of years ago would have been fine oh no oh yes oh, oh yes then, yeah. I, then i then i missed that but then not for that. 50 million pounds you're not going, uh, going to give I'm, i i i Tell me one Brighton player which is worth 50 million pounds. Uh all of them? <laughs> a Brighton player. For fuck's sake. No, um I mean oh, uh he's just trolling us. Is that yeah, that's no, sorry. I was just kidding. No, I'd I'd much, rather, I'd much rather spend the money on Ben White anyway, but 
I, I think that the whole thinking behind even considering someone like Louis Dunk, I'm just saying that right now, I don't think it's the right move at all. 50 million for a 28-year-old Louis Dunk is quite stupid. But a couple of years ago, it would have been decent for the matter that he he would add an aerial presence that we are missing in the side. That was my whole approach mm-hmm. for advocating signing of, of Louis Dunk in a hypothetical universe where two, mm-hmm. two years ago, all of that. But yeah, no, I at see. this point, if if I had to spend on a center back from Brighton, it would be Ben White because he's going places. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, that that's will, that. Yeah, leave it at that, right? <laughs> um, just just by, just by the way, um, mm-hmm. I've I've just seen that this news has broken at the moment. Um, Oliver Harbord for Football London has just written a story on Conor Gallagher's loan being cut short at Charlton Athletic. Oh, that's. That's an interesting one because he is in such a settled atmosphere over there. He's he's still in London. He's in a group where he's probably the best player on that team, if not one of the best players on that team. And this is his first season in senior football. They 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 all love him a lot. He's basically undroppable in that team, regardless of their injury crisis and everything. But it seems that Chelsea are recalling him from Charlton. He's started every game he's been available for, I think. He scored a few goals, assisted, generally picked up a lot of plaudits such that people are talking about bringing him back to replace Ross Barkley, or who we should also talk about, by the way. Um, true, true. Next season, next season to fill in that, that gap in the squad. Um, names that have been linked to Conor Gallagher are West Brom, Norwich, Burnley, Swansea... So, you guys, do you guys have any thoughts on what? I uh, yes. You think it's the I, right move? Just pull him out of that settled atmosphere. I mean, uh, if you think about, uh, you know, uh, as I said, I'm not one to follow uh, the championship as much as you do, but if I recall correctly, Charlton are not in a good place in the league, right? They're not. They're struggling. They are. Closer towards the bottom end of the table and are in yes. the middle of a very, very I big injury crisis. I think that's, I mean, combined with, you know, high demand for such a player, I think that's what motivated uh, the cutting the, the short, his, his low on deal. Because uh, even though he's settled, even though he's, he's, he's playing well, uh, but the team's not doing very well in the league. And uh, that affects the player and that affects, you know, his, I'd say, his overall value. He's not just his market value, but also his value on the field. So it's best to get him on, uh, maybe get him on West Bromwich, which is which is currently fighting for uh, the, the the title, and <clears throat> then uh, make it then making him stay with Charlton, which are currently in a relegation battle. It's the opposite situation from say uh, Rhys James, you know, and Rhys James was like also the best player for Wigan last year. Uh, the season, but uh, I don't think Connor is. I mean, of course, you're the one who watches uh, the, the 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 championship the most. But from what I've read, Connor is not the, is not being able to make as much difference as uh, as Reese was doing for uh, Wigan last season. So uh, maybe if he if if you get him in a in a in a team which is winning which is on good form and stuff and even if it doesn't get to be a, a, a much of a starter as he was in his previous team he will still get to enjoy a, a more 
uh, winnable, not winnable, but a, a, a more positive atmosphere. And I mean, it's of course, unless we're sending him to Norwich, then we are just being utterly stupid. Uh, but uh, if we're sending him to West Bromwich or Swansea even, I'm not opposed to that. I think it's a very good move, uh, given given Schalke's, you know, it's it might be too much of a burden to put on his shoulders, you know, as a, uh, in his first loan uh, to be the savior of Charlton. Uh, I mean, maybe he, that's what he wants. But even then, I think uh, it's not a bad move. I don't, I don't actually agree with that because even though mm. Charlton is struggling, at least he's in a set environment where he is playing, where he's seen as a, one of the most important players for them at the moment. While, you know, it will always take a settling in period. Uh, especially for a team winning or fighting for uh, promotion, why would they want to bring in uh, Conor Gallagher? You know, just loaned him to you know give him a substantial amount of mon- uh, minutes to a, a teenager while they're fighting for promotion. That doesn't make sense. They'll just put him among the ranks. You know that they might need him at some point or sub him on, but he won't. He won't be playing the same amount as he is for Charlton. So I, I'm not a big fan of um, mm. cutting loan short and uh, sending him somewhere else, unless you know, it's something like, for example, Ethan Ampadu. Uh, you know, or we've had a few such um, loan spells where, or uh, Josh McCaffrey played it under Brandon quite Rogers. well for Izzy Brown. Do you remember when he was at Rotherham United on loan? Uh, yeah, but Rotherham he wasn't was... Yeah. No, they, they were actually in a very similar situation to Charles Mantelli where Rotherham were doing very badly. They they did eventually go on to get relegated that season. Uh, then he moved to Huddersfield, who were fighting for promotion, and then he actually got promoted with them and then got a Premier League move for Brighton. So it can move... I mean, it can go either of the two ways that you just described, but uh, I do share... A similar apprehension to you because uh, West Brom have Romain Sawyers and Jake Livermore. I remember him in midfield, and those two are not going to be dropped anytime soon. So exactly. I also I I don't think it's a very wise move. Maybe mm. maybe Swansea might be a better move. Um, I mean I'm not sure. A team of that kind of stature that he has yeah. a better chance at starting it. So that could yeah. be something. But, but like you, you, you can have the best of both worlds. worlds yeah. Where yeah. you where you have a team that is in the up and up yeah. and a team where he will fit, you know. Yeah. Uh, maybe West Brom is, as you said, too much of a leap. But, uh, you know, you, you, could, you could see something like that. I mean, the, the race for uh, the, the four, the, the four uh, places for, the, for the, play, the promotion playoff is very tight uh, currently. So, yep. you know, any, any of these, I, not any, but most of these uh, 10 teams that are 10 or even maybe 11 or 12 teams that are fighting for these places, I wouldn't be against that, you know. Uh, I think it's it would be a very uh, I think it would be a proper move, but just because of these worries I have with uh, setting him up for failure, so so to speak, you know I don't want I I don't want this kind of resp- responsibility on, on on the on the shoulders of a player as young as he is, and uh, and uh, you know he. Maurice I, I James think, was able to do it. 
I mean, yeah, but as I said before, uh, Rhys James was able to do it, but Rhys James was playing much better and making much more difference for the team than uh, than Connor is doing at the moment. You know, Rhys James, from what I from what I saw, from what I heard, from what I read, he was like the difference maker. He was the guy who was winning game for games for them. He was carrying the the the, the, the team towards victories. And Connor Connor hasn't been able to do that regularly for Charlton. So you know, put him in a better environment. Maybe in the future, uh, in another thing, his second low, and he will be able to be this difference maker. He that that's not what he's he's doing, and uh, you know, that's that's what I, I I view at least. Yes, perhaps. Well, as we were discussing Conor Gallagher's situation, uh, the name of Ross Barkley happened to pop up, <laughs> so we we mm-hmm. might as well discuss what's happening with Ross Barkley at the moment. Um, However, before that, we should probably take a break. So we will do that and get right back to discussing Ross Barkley. Welcome back to Wayne Gardner Podcast. We were about to discuss the name on everyone's lips at the moment, the enthralling Ross Barkley, the midfield dynamo, the powerhouse, the John Cena lookalike. He He started a game after a very long time yesterday, didn't he? October, he, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, was it yesterday? Uh, no, it was day before. No, it was, no. Yeah, but oh, yeah, it was yesterday. Your point stands. <laughs> uh, sorry, no, yeah. He started a game after quite a while. Injuries, uh, personal troubles off the field, maybe. Uh, a couple of foolhardy incidents. Not in the best form either, obviously. But he played yesterday. He played in a deeper role, not as a 10. He played in midfield uh, alongside Jorginho. And he surprisingly looked quite decent, didn't he? Yeah. So, he did, yeah. some some people have this theory, including me, that Ross Barkley basically lacks some football intelligence to make the best use of possession as a number 10. He has brilliant physical qualities and brilliant technical, technical qualities as well, but I just feel as if he puts a lot of attacks to waste by yes. picking the wrong thing to do in the right, I mean, in good positions, situations. So, I feel as if just sticking him in the midfield pivot alongside someone like Jorginho has nullified that whole aspect of his game and enabled him to look a lot better. He's the one progressing the ball. And that's what he's yeah. good at, in my opinion. He can he can turn, he can, he can hold off people in midfield, he can run with the ball in a slightly Loftus-Cheek-esque manner. And he can also play some nice long passes. And he did these things. He did these things to good effect um, yesterday. He looked quite good. I thought he played very well. And I was generally quite happy with the way he acquitted himself to this role. I uh, agree. So, so do, do, do you guys think there's a resurgence on the cards for Ross Barkley now? I think it's always very difficult to talk about resurgence with Ross Barkley because there have been those games where you think, wow, you know, this is the Ross Barkley we were hoping for. Like in October of last year under Sari when, oh dear God, I can't remember which games it was. I think it was against Southampton and then two or three others where we thought, oh my God, you know, we've got quite a player on our hands. But then you just get disappointed again because this is... Uh, always been a problem with Ross Barkley. And when we've spoken with um, Royal Blue Mercy, uh, also a, a football blog on SB Nation, um, they've always been saying the same thing, namely that that's 
the exact problem that Ross Barkley had, that and the lack of focus, um, which hindered him from really achieving these heights that he was predicted to be able to reach one day. Um, it's it's sad because on the one hand, you know, one wants him to do well. He is a Chelsea player. And we all know that there's so much more that he could be uh, doing in the Chelsea show, you know, consistency-wise. But it's just not really happening for him. And uh, now he's actually been playing quite well for the last two games. And this question comes up again, as you said. It's just always up and down, up and down with him. And uh, I don't know, it's... I agree with you that he kept things simple. And that's something which really did do him the world of good because often he tries some audacious moves where you'd say, okay, this is something that normally um, William or Hazard would have wanted to have doing, done. But, you know, you, you know he's not going to be able to do it and he then loses the ball in the most annoying and irritating of fashions and then the counterattack starts and... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave out this whole uh, penalty situation that was with, against Valencia on the first uh, day of the group stage back in, I think, September. But, um, oh no, it wasn't the first day, it was the second. Was it? Oh, it doesn't matter. The point is, um, there's a play in there, and I think when he plays in that deeper role and he's able to play more to maybe he doesn't see them as his strengths, but strengths that we know, okay, he can do, then he's a good squad player. You know, I, d I don't know if he can actually <laughs> displace the likes of Mateo Kovacic or N'Golo Kante, because that's a completely different uh, discussion at the moment. Should one play Kante? Should one not? Um, against these packed defences, as Burnley did at times, I think Ross Barkley is a very valid option um, to be able to you know, resort to, uh, it's, 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 he definitely added something which we haven't been seeing with Mateo Kovacic and N'Golo Kante, um, because Ross Barkley is someone who is more attacking minded than the other two of them. And, um, that worked out quite well against Burnley, but as, um, Phil said at right at the start of the podcast, you know, they, they haven't been good this season. So it's difficult to really, say is he back is he not back just after this one great display where he really was a contender for man another match but we'll just have to wait and see i'm just happy to keep him until at least the summer um especially you know room loves to cheek not here yet we'll just have to wait and see he's a good squad player um i actually think he plays better when he starts than when he comes on as a substitute but one way or another uh it's good to to see him try, you know, get, come along and uh, find some form in a very important phase of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I really agree with that. Uh, just to just on top of everything you you two already said that I mostly agree with. Uh, I mean, I think at this point in time, uh, when I look back. When I look back at uh, what he was doing with uh, next to Lukaku at Everton, which is where I, I, I saw him mostly uh, over the last few years, 
I, I always thought, you know, he has potential. But he's been held back by himself, you know, the the, mm. the, the, the as you as Ram said before, the, the lack of football intelligence that uh, ends up being being, you know, being made in poor decisions whenever he's up front. Uh, so maybe he needs to be, uh, you know, the coach needs to be more conservative with him because one of the one of the good things you you have with Barkley is that he's very versatile. Uh, so you, you can play him as a winger, you can play him as a number ten, you can play him exactly, as a yeah. midfielder, you can play him. Maybe you can even play him as wing back, left back, right back, wherever you want him. He will he will do it. Uh, he will do it for you. But uh, you need to to hold him back a bit, and you need to be held back a bit with him, uh, so you can use him properly. And Lampard, being him, him being the very intelligent coach that he is, I think he might be able to draw the best out of Barkley. I mean, I'm not, you know, advocating for keeping Barkley as a as a as a talisman or anything like that. But I think we can work with him uh, until you know next summer or maybe next or maybe during that season when we are still transitioning into as uh, quite strong enough to battle against the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City for the title. I mean, we can keep him. It's not a, it's not an issue for me. Uh, and he's also homegrown, which helps with the whole situation with, um, you know, having players that, uh, that there are, uh, there are homegrown and can also be able to, to not just fill space in the squad and stuff. I mean, uh, I, I, I really, I really like, Barkley on a personal level, uh, as a player, not so much. But uh, I mean, I hope he he succeeds not a, not only for our our own good, but also for himself. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what sounds about right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm interested in this. That's the first time I've actually heard someone say I like him on a personal level, but not as a football. I mean, I've heard both be said, but. I like to think Ross Barkley is like Marmite, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that's a very, very good uh, yeah, That's a very analogy, good uh, yeah. analogy, yes. Yeah, um, well. Kind of, yeah, I guess so. Uh, definitely creates the reaction that I normally have to Marmite when he's playing the way he has done earlier in the season. So uh, that is very accurate. <laughs> it's just about consistency issues. You know, I'm... I'm actually quite surprised that Lampard, uh, someone who is so uh, strict normally, you know, he's a, he was the kind of professional that you would want to aspire to, but that he's been so forgiving of him. I think the 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 thing about I mean, uh, the 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 thing about uh, Lampard, I think it's something that I feel myself when I when I when I speak with my peers. Uh, I have a lot of cousins, and they. They, uh, they are my, 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 uh, my parents, uh, my relatives usually use someone like me or other cousins who were successful, so to speak, in their careers to, you know, talk down on my cousins. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And I say, and I think it's a bit of uh, like, you know, not everyone will have the, 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 the work ethic, ethic to, to uh, be as good as you are at something because, you know, the the thing about Lumper is not just that he was supremely talented, but he was also a hard worker. He was, you know, he was the best you can get from a from a player, uh, because you have a lot of 
players who rely mostly on on you know talent. And Lampard was one of the one of the few you can point point at and say you know not only he was talented but he was also uh, working his ass off to uh, reach the places where he he went. Uh, so I think with Lampard, what he sees in someone like Lamp like Barkley is something like that. He knows that Barkley wasn't able to work as hard as he does, but he he can do that. You know, he has the talent. Uh, he only needs to put on the work to, you know, he might not be as good as he, as he would be if he had put on the work since the beginning of his career, but he can still reach good places, you know. He's already done that and he can go beyond what he, what he currently does. Mm, 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 mm. Well, I mean, Ross Backley will, as we've already said, um, be a polarizing figure. But as we have already been recording for quite a while this, uh, this day, um, I think we should just also briefly touch upon the game at the weekend, which is Chelsea against Newcastle United away, thankfully. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the thing is, yeah. St. James's Park has been kind of a <sighs> difficult place to go to. Uh, Ram, it's, it's can remember so the hoodoo? Just, uh, just, yeah. just, uh, just a note. It's still funny to see, like how, how you you get uh, from Chelsea fans, like you know the the away games are the games we are looking for. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny. Sad predicament. Maybe there's change with the Burnley game, but for now, we shall see. Unfortunately, left. Yeah, exactly. We'll see, and for now, we're unfortunately left with uh, the hope that yay away. But you know, Newcastle. It's been a season of up and downs i know that you don't necessarily not rate steve bruce ram but i personally think he's a dinosaur and he hasn't been playing well recently so what do you think chances are that chelsea extend the lead at the uh the fourth spot uh, fourth spot uh but we'll do okay you guys are still not very good are they? I think I think that's that's a very sound assessment, in-depth assessment of their team. They're not very good. They've got <laughs> some good players like Saint Maximan, Almiron, who has been scoring for them recently. But so so they can hurt us. It's basically the exact same as the time we talked about Newcastle in the before the reverse fixture, isn't it? They have players who can hurt us. They probably will hurt us a couple of times on the counter-attack, but then we'll, we'll have enough for them, won't we? I hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, know, I know it's a way where we seem to be breaking all sorts of streaks at the moment. We have somehow turned Stamford Bridge into a place where we are not very comfortable, uh, save for that Burnley game. So hopefully, in keeping with that trend, St. James's Park can become like, you know, um, an old stomping ground rather than a place that incites fear of physics-defying goals by Papis Nembasise. <laughs> nah, that was quite the goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, th- I think I think we'll have enough for them, even without the likes of Christian Pulisic. I think Kalamas Mendoy is stepping up to the plate now. and. Mm. I think we will see another good performance from him. He played, uh, if memory serves me right, he played he played all right against Newcastle in the last game. 
So I think we'll be okay. I think we'll win comfortable, comfortable 2 0 or 2 1, 3 1, something like that. I'll. Yeah, okay. It's yeah. My, it's my five cents on the game. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's a good assessment of that. Um, don't want to be overly pessimistic here um, before I give the final word to uh, to Felipe. Um, but I think it's going to be a tough game. And um, we'll just have a wait and see. I just, I'm not going to put any expectations out. You know, if we do draw, because it is kind of a hoodoo that we have had at St. James's Park over the years. But as long as we play with Reese James and Callum Hudson Adore on the right, I'll be already happy from the get-go. Of course, I want us to win, um, but that, that would be great to see that develop further. But I'll go with a 2-1 win because I can't see us keeping clean sheet because they are, as you said, Ram, pretty decent on the counter-attack, especially uh, St. Maxime is uh, very lethal there if he wants to be. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, Felipe, your prediction yes. for the game on Saturday? Uh, I'm looking through some stats from Newcastle. First, hmm. they have a game. They have a return game in the FA Cup against Rockdale uh, in midweek. While right. we will be rested, right? We won't have any any games. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's already a good thing to look forward to. Uh, and they haven't been able to get wins at home uh, since. Since last year, they lost to Everton and to Leicester uh, uh, in the, the last two games at home. So I think it will be like a maybe 2-1, 2-0. I mean, I, playing at St. James Park is always tough, of course. Uh, they, they, they always give us a, a bad time. Uh, but uh, I think we can, we, we can win, not just because of our away form, but also because they haven't been playing very well over the last over the last few matches from what I'm seeing here. So uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the dangerous thing might be the counter, as as uh, Ram pointed out, because you know it's it's a counter, so you you're always looking back at it. By the way, it's uh, the the that uh, son, son Matsumin. Uh, is he injured or something, or is he? Oh, is he? Know, I think he is because I've, I'm seeing here that that he the last game he played was like in last month, was like uh, uh, December eight. So uh, if he isn't available, then we have a much better chance of winning because you know he. Uh, even though he hasn't been playing uh, very well for 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 uh, Newcastle, he's still very dangerous. So uh, if we ha- don't have someone like him on the pitch, then I think we we, we might have a, an easier time than I initially thought. So yeah, maybe two zero for us. Okay, I mean that's a very positive result then. Yeah, and unfortunately, Joelinton, which was my big hope for the season. Uh, in terms of Brazilian players moving to the Premier League, ha- hasn't been able to do much. But I think that's down to Newcastle not being a very good team because you know uh, he's like I, I, I spoke about him before. He, I, fe- I see him as a as like a Roberto Firmino light, but uh, he hasn't been able to show that yet. I, I hope he does in the future. I don't actually rate Joe Linton. I can remember him from his rep at the end of the days and also watch him a few times for Hoffenheim. He's just not a very 
clinical striker, but yeah, he was very good with Recife. With Recife, sorry, with Sport Recife back when he was here in Brazil. Uh, yeah. Although he didn't play as much for them, but I recall his his showings uh, uh, in the in the state championship. He was very good for them, and it was like you know, ah, and then Hoffenheim got him. And I, and I thought, well, maybe they saw what I saw in him, which is like Firmino Light. And I thought he did well at Hoffenheim. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, he, he just wasn't meant to be at least this season here in the Premier League for him. Ram, last words with you. Uh, last words. I hope Matty Longstaff plays. <laughs> Uh, yeah, famous famous last words. I I hope I hope we see the MNS Longstaff midfield yet again. That might be the only worthwhile thing I might get out of watching Newcastle. Uh, no, that's it. We'll we'll win quite comfortably. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, no. Apart from that, it's January. We are in the top four, not doing too badly. We had a we had a bad kind of bad run of form, but we seem to not be completely terrible, I guess. We are, <laughs> we're, we're, we're still winning games here and there. Our form is still very patchy, win, loss, draw, loss, draw. I mean, you can, you, can, you can literally make up a pattern for it. But yeah. th- things, things aren't so bad. They could be worse. But yeah, it is what it is. And what it is, is not so bad. And we'll probably... <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll probably beat Newcastle. And this ending has gone on for way longer than it should have. So that is uh, that is <laughs> curtains on this episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. It's been very enjoyable to have you, Felipe, as always. Um, this is actually That's the third weird. time we're podcasting together because we were on the Attacking 2 podcast like almost a year ago, weren't we? Yeah, that was our that, that was our first podcasting occasion together, and then you were on you were on this one, in one yeah. of its initial episodes, of course. So no, it's it's been amazing as always, and yeah, Jimmy, as always, a pleasure. So this is us signing Thanks. off. Bye bye, and keep bye bye flag. Bye bye.